Welcome to the Heroic Hour podcast, and thank you so much for tuning into episode three. I'm your host, Nicholas McGill, Chief Experience Officer for Heroic Media, and I'm going to share a little bit of Heroic TLC, technology, leadership, and culture to help you elevate, connect, and grow, and give you the adaptive skills that will get you mission ready for life. If you like what you hear on this and other episodes, please subscribe to this podcast, share it with one friend, engage with us, check out our website at getheroic.com, like us on Facebook, and join us on the Insider Group. For those of you who don't know, the Heroic Insider Group is an exclusive, non-solicitous web community hosted on the Slack platform. It allows you to collaborate, share, and have some accountability with like-minded, multidisciplinary professionals. Most importantly, it's the easiest way to interact with me and the Heroic team, check out what's going on behind the scenes, and get first access to some of our projects. Oh yeah, and uh, by the way, it's free for the first 100 people, and we still have some slots available. So find out more and apply at getheroic.com. That's G-E-T-H-E-R-O-I-K.com. In the last episode, we continued down this path that heroes aren't born, they're made. And MADE is an acronym for four core heroic pursuits of mastery, abundance, discernment, and exploration. Now, in that last episode, we talked about abundance. And in this one, I'm totally psyched about the power of discernment. I'm going to give you a functional definition, talk to you about how you can use it to transform some of your habits, your business practices, and build a better life with it. Now, I'll also show you some examples of discernment in action, how we use it to build out our entire business model, also by by giving you examples, recommendations, and techniques that have helped me grab the best gear, become a better leader, and build unique methods uh, and a better culture with my team. So from values, principles, practices, and purchase recommendations, this episode has got it all. But first, a word of warning. This episode is going to be long and wordy because we're going broad and we're going deep. We're going to get really nerdy. We're going to talk tech. We're going to talk gear. We're going to talk mindset in what may be the most helpful and practical Heroic Hour podcast to date. So if you're at the gym or you're on your commute, you're going to want to be sure to visit our site for our show notes and recommendations on this episode when you get back to your big screen. All right, this is one of my favorite topics. Let's get pumped. Okay, so what is discernment? Discernment is the ability to go beyond that surface perception and do the deep dive into the more critical elements, the nuances, and form a sharp, crisp, precise, more informed, and intentional judgment. It is the ability to recognize down to the nitty-gritty what you're doing, using, and looking at, the people you're interacting with, if it's all really serving you or not, and to what degree. Discernment allows you to determine the vital, the essential, the MVPs, and channel your focus and energy into those, and by definition, away from the non-essential, the non-critical distractions. As you listen to this, I want you to think about what's important for you right now to be focusing on, what's really 
going to move the needle forward. Get in the habit of not just firing from the hip with that answer. Map it out. Understand your answer. Understand your reasoning. Discernment involves critical thinking skills and the ability to think things through. Now, if you're like most people, you can oversubscribe to so many things and so much noise. You can try to do and juggle everything all at once and fail to get absolutely anything done. Spreading yourself too thin is all too common, especially in a world abundant with choices, opportunities, and distractions. But the reality is that certain efforts produce better results than others. Sometimes what you don't do is just as important as what you do do. You really need to pay attention to where you're pouring your tea, your time, energy, and attention. And you need to start measuring the impact of your decisions on your life. If you're not getting the results you want, you need to make the changes and focus on doing more by focusing on less but better activities. Discernment demands intention, precision, discipline, understanding, and gentleness. I might have thrown you off with that last one. The first four are self-explanatory, but the real pro tip here is if you want to master discernment, you must be gentle with yourself as you go, because you're going to notice with yourself and others that, you know, you're probably not making as many effective choices as you'd like to. At least at first, you're going to notice these things. Discernment is like x-ray vision, and it can be depressing initially when you discover you haven't done things effectively and you haven't been thinking things through as well as you could have. But go easy on yourself. It's a gift to notice that there are better choices to be made. Don't beat yourself up. You can't be too much of a hard ass on yourself. Don't dwell in the past or your past mistakes. Focus on discerning the choices and trade-offs you need to make right now in your life to make it better. And that's all fine and dandy, but how do you use it, right? Discernment is an adaptive skill that gives you the ability to filter all aspects of your life, to clarify the stuff that really serves you, and recognize the things that help you build momentum, and then differentiate them from the things that create drag. In these ways, discernment helps you focus on what matters. It helps you clarify your thinking and refine your decision-making process. It helps you create filters and frameworks to quickly sort the best from the rest. It helps you focus on the important and say no to the rest. It allows you to understand and measure the trade-offs of your decisions. Discernment brings you more of the great and less of the mediocre. It helps you find the books and content that move you forward, the challenges that help you grow, the people, places, and things that energize, motivate, and keep you enthusiastic about your pursuits. And as a discipline, you know, discernment is an industry almost all to itself. It, it embodies multiple types of businesses that you can practice if you want to. This includes, you know, creating better content strategy, understanding what makes for the right mix of high quality content to drive engagement. You could be a curator where you're trying to round up the best stuff, content products, etc. Uh, you could be building a curated brand where you take great great products that are white labeled and slap your brand on them. You can be providing recommendations and reviews. You could be refining business models and brand identities or providing direct advice, consultation, coaching, and training, or developing methodologies and frameworks to allow others to do the same. 
Since there are more options, vendors and solutions and choices than ever before out there, there's a huge market for helping people using the power of discernment. You can help people filter down to the best options. You can play matchmaker, help them review and recommend and choose for them. You can help them become better curators themselves and develop frameworks and content strategies to show how to use that refined taste to build a business. You can also show them how to optimize their products and services to make uh, the cut in terms of high quality. You can curate the curators, reveal the best of the best resources, and build networks and communities around the best of the best. And of course, lastly, and in a more complicated way, you can develop methods and algorithms to guide decisions for larger businesses as well. I look at this list and I, I say, we take all of the above. Heroic Media uses the power of discernment to do all of the above for its clients. And discernment is an essential ingredient in our secret sauce, and I hope it becomes a part of yours as well. And now I'm going to give you kind of the TLC of discernment and explain how it applies to technology, leadership, and culture, and why those three are so mission critical to success and business growth. You know, one of the most common mistakes I see companies of all sizes make is that they simply try to add tools and technology and bolt it on to whatever they've got. However their business model is, they just want to add it on. And the reality is, without strong adaptive leadership and a culture that can be aligned to grow with a particular solution, you're kind of screwed and you're screwing yourself by just continuing to bolt on. You know, I was an IT consultant for a decade before I started Heroic Media, and I found more and more that success requires more than just a superior technological solution. You need great buy-in, great leadership. You have to have a fit between the solution and the organizational culture and that will uh, on the client side to really make it a success. And this is part of the reason why I shifted my work to create a different kind of model to focus on the big holistic picture, to really focus on owning the big challenge of helping companies grow effectively. Now, there are many empowering values in heroic culture, but discernment is probably the number one value we practice, and it's our number one pursuit simply because in, in a world filled with choices and so much noise and so many channels and so many mediums and so many devices, we rely heavily on discernment to discipline ourselves, to bring clarity, to bring things into focus, to make it easier to filter the choices and narrow them down to a few great ones. A discerning mind is a disciplined mind, and a disciplined mind simply gets more shit done. And so when we apply this discernment to technology, uh, we use it to develop our H6 methodology, which in turn allows us to identify lean linchpin strategies tactics and preferred tools that we all package together with training and implementation to give businesses added capacity and capability that's required to build the growth engines within their organizations. So how do we go about doing that? And that sounds kind of complex. I know the short version is a zillion and a half years ago in the early 2000s, we studied and paid attention to how business and technology were evolving and trying to come together. Uh, this was like watching Godzilla versus King Kong 
right? This is Clash of the Titans. And we were paying attention to all the little things, the flaws, the weaknesses, the signals no one else noticed because everybody had way more to lose than we did. And we determined six factors that, that affect the flow and the value of information as it travels and changes across platform, device, and format. This is a key insight. We paid attention, we were nitty gritty, we were very discerning, and we referred to this key, key insight as you know, this flow as digital liquidity. Now, in our methodology, we use that key insight, that concept of, of flow, of digital liquidity, and the factors that we discovered to inform our decisions and our designs and our principles. And it came down to six factors, speed, simplicity, independence, mobility, control, and tactility. And basically, by using these six factors or pursuing them, we can quickly filter out a majority of, of the technological solutions that would normally hinder the flow of our uh, client's information and of our firm as well. And we could identify the most effective solutions and deploy them far more quickly, resulting in a huge edge that can serve any organization. So this acted as kind of a, a form of filter that allows us to narrow down many available options to a few great ones that are truly empowering at lightning speed. This also gave us a new, unique lens on uh, evaluating digital business models. And no one really had a grasp on this that wasn't in the old siloed post-industrial business model type. So we were able to do it leaner, faster, and more effectively and create a new paradigm of evaluating the businesses of the digital age. So an easier way of understanding this is simply those six factors or pursuits are really um, concepts of if things are easy to understand, if you can get your hands on them quickly, you'll be able to really understand them even, even faster, um, you'll be more productive. If you have the appropriate degree of control and ownership, you're managing uh, your, your dependencies well, and you can operate and, and adapt independently as change comes your way. Now, if you've got the means to be effective, even at your most mobile moment, you know, uh, you're far more empowered than others. So if you're lethal with a smartphone in your hand as, as an, a part of a larger organization, well, then the world is your oyster, right? Now, if all that sounded like gobbledygook to you or, or you know, it sounds like I'm talking faster than Aaron Sorkin after four Red Bulls, um, I want to bring it down to some practical decisions that everyone makes to show you kind of how we use discernment at a pragmatic level and how we use the insights that we came up with at a pragmatic level to make better decisions. So think about it like this. When you go to choose a laptop uh, at the store, if your goal is to choose the one that best suits your needs and growth, you know, our method, our uh, lens that we developed by critically studying or, or discerning the key success, success factors with tech is really, you know, to instantly give you that filter of looking for speed, simplicity, independence, control, tactility, and mobility, right? You're, you're constrained by the performance and reliability uh, of the hardware in the laptop itself. The speed, which is controlled by the processor, the memory, the storage, the ease of, of use or simplicity is, is really dominated by the operating system and so on. All of these things uh, can have an impact on your productivity. Now, some people prefer Mac, some people prefer PCs, but the ultimate, you know, the realization that, that we faced uh, internally 
uh, with our team is that, you know, we're all power users. And so we need high performance. We can't be inhibited, uh, have our speed uh, of the exchange or flow of information and, you know, digital stuff or data inhibited by hardware limitations. So when we apply our, our filter, you know, we end up limiting down the available options inside that store from, you know, 30 or 40 different machines or online at, from 100 or 200 different machines down to two, right, or down to four. And we're really, for us, we were really talking about, you know, gaming laptops that are high performance and then MacBook Pros, right? We use, we use both operating systems. Uh, so, you know, another example uh, that often happens with digital stuff is, is when you're trying to figure out which office software to use. That's the most common thing. And basically, we're looking for the solution that allows us to work faster and freer in a way that's easier to understand, that doesn't create a dependency on some special form of hardware or some special platform or proprietary um, standard. And it, it is mobile and it flows with us no matter what device, operating system or platform you're using as long as it's Internet connected. So this is discernment in action, right? This is, a, this is our a particular form of it in technology, but this is discernment in action. We look at our needs, preferences, and the results we get from the stuff we've used, and, and we you know, factor in these indicators to help develop a better way to make more effective decisions. Our method allows us to create leaner, meaner, more effective teams and, and grow the capabilities inside of organizations. That's what we do. It's a big part of it. But I, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to bring it down to even a more uh, practical level and shift gears a little bit because I know this might be too nerdy for some or not nerdy enough for others. Um, so, you know, you're listening to a discerning opinion, right? When a person is describing their decisions um, that are reflective of direct experience, right? So when somebody's saying, this is the decision I made and here's why, usually they're making a careful decision, especially if they can have a conversation about it. So I figure I, I could demonstrate discernment in action for you by providing some examples uh, through giving you some reviews and recommendations for gear that we found useful by using discernment. And so what I want you to pay attention to here is not just these awesome recommendations for some pretty powerful gear and some great recommendations, but also pay attention to the mechanism or the decision engine here about how I get nitty gritty with filtering um, to apply, you know, this heroic golden rule, which states cultivate that which serves you and hit the eject button on that which does not. Discernment really comes down to that golden rule filter, right? We want things that serve us and empower us. So here's some more tech that we use and prefer that fit with our methods and illustrate our uh, decision-making process a little bit. Number one, we use Google Apps because it works well everywhere on just about any internet connected device. And it allows for multiple people to collaborate in real time. And so this is great for organizations of all sizes because it's also scalable. Now that collaboration in real time saves us a huge amount of time and eliminates confusion because now we're not collaborating over versions of documents through email. And I know Office 365 and all this Microsoft crap can do it too, but we look for lean, and platform independent at the end of the day. Number two, we love to build web presence and concepts and projects on the WordPress platform. Why? Because it's an open source content management system that's used by almost 25% of the web. It's easy to learn, it's adaptable for many uses, and there's a solid community and ecosystem 
for solutions and professionals to use it and, and rely on as you grow forward. So if we hand a project over to a client or we're helping them build one or whatever happens, their relationship isn't exclusively dependent upon us. They're not locked into us. There's an ecosystem of pros out there who can help them take it in a different direction or evolve it or take it to a next level. That's key. That's critical. That's huge. You want to be able to grow forward without being dependent on upon, you know, third parties or paying a fortune. You know, that might not make guys like me and, and our teams and our company lots of money, but it feels great to empower people like that. Number three, we use Slack to communicate because it cuts back on volumes of email communications. It basically provides a focused, spam-free means to communicate uh, on channels that are project-specific. It's also asynchronous, meaning that I don't have to be online at the same time as my team to stay in the loop. I can invite teammates to different channels, and later they can catch up on the whole conversation whenever they're introduced in. I can't say enough good things about these platforms. Now, I know I mentioned Google Apps before, which has Google Drive on it, and we should probably use it uh, more than we do, but I try to keep it clean. And then I absolutely love Dropbox and keeping it filthy, dirty, full of all sorts of media assets and, and, and tools and things like that. Um, it's a little bit redundant, but uh, at the time that we were evaluating uh, which, which solution to use, uh, it was a dead heat between kind of Google Drive and uh, Dropbox. And so we use them both because we run into quite a bit of uh, clients out there who also use these tools. Now, so there's some great software. And, and I know that's super nerd. Um, and some of you will love it. And some of you are like rolling your eyes as you're pounding out the cardio or, or stuck in traffic right now. But let's get discerning with some more physical stuff, some hardware, some other gear that makes it even more personal. personal. You know, like... Let's talk about things you can buy at freaking Dollar Tree if need be. So now I'm going to give you some recommendations and, and so, some, uh, some of the gear I carry with me on a daily basis. And hopefully you'll hear how uh, discernment is, is in action here leading to better and more precise decision making. Um, in general, when it comes to gear, I want great performance um, based on the intended use of whatever we're looking at. I want lasting durability and function over fashion uh, and then, you know, I want my cake and eat it too because style is still important. I'm a designer at heart um, and I prefer things to look and feel professional. I also know that, you know, at the end of the day, no matter where I go or what I do, I'm dependent upon electricity, information, internet access, you know, enough storage for this gear for books, laptops, pens, pencils, notebooks, post-its, and highlighters. And so let's dive into that. Let me talk to you about some of the things that I use. Okay, number one, I read a lot of books. I mean, a ton of books. Um, and uh, I hate it when, when I read a really crappy book. I'm the guy who reads the crappy book all the way to the end just so that I could give it a fair, crappy review and let people know that they need to stay away from it. I'll chase it all the way through to the end. So I know that that's a bad habit of mine and that it can cost me, you know, any, you know, up to five hours of your time. And that's if you're a fast, you know, reader. So I got smarter and more discerning about my book selection process in the first place. So before I buy a book, I take a look at the reviews on Amazon. Now that's like a basic tip. Of course you look at reviews on Amazon, but I don't look at any, just any reviews. The five-star reviews are going to talk about how 
awesome the author is and how nice they were when they met them in person and how they got a free copy of the book. That's not really helpful. The, the most important review and the first review I look at is the, the critical review, the discerning review, the three-star review, because those readers see something good in that book, and they also see some specific flaws. They usually point them out. And this is a super simple hack. Pay attention to the three-star reviews, right? The four or five-star reviews rarely explain specifically why they really love the book, right? It's blanket pra praise from fanboys. The one to two-star reviews are usually whining about shipping or politics or, you know, they were just destined to hate the book before they even read it and they didn't finish it anyway. But the three-star review, they go into the specifics about the flaws that they find out. And so now they've given me a way to quickly look at it and decide if those um, uh, critiques, those critical aspects of the book are deal breakers for me. If it's a vanilla, already been there, done that before kind of review where, you know, you're treading, retreading old ground, well, then I'm, I might not read it. So anyway, that's that's one tip, right? Check out the three-star reviews. Be more discerning. Pay attention and give more weight to those three-star reviews. They usually know uh, what they're talking about, and they're being a little bit more realistic and fair. Um, also, number two, when I read, I read with, uh, you know, a few highlighters in hand because I abuse books. I buy physical books and I abuse them. I highlight anything worth reading a second time. Now, this isn't for everybody. And if you ever got a used copy of a textbook from me when I was in college, you'd probably hate my guts. You know, I don't read to say that I've finished or read or conquered a book. I read to study, to master, to refine, to synthesize information and apply it to my life. So much of what I read, you know, I don't just read once. I go back and reread it and come back to it again and get just-in-time information, get reminded of other things that I've read. But on that second time through, I'm usually just rereading my highlights and can remember the rest of the information. This not only increases my retention, but reduces my study time. And if, you know, if there's an idea I have while I'm reading, I'll even deface the book further and write notes in the margins. I know this is, this is blasphemy if you're a book lover, but uh, I figure I could always order a clean copy. And to me, books are there to serve you. So let them. Use a highlighter. Use this highlighter hack. Study to integrate, to synthesize, and to master. Stop reading books to brag about it on Facebook or to your friends on LinkedIn. Who cares? Can you apply any of the information you used? If not, you just killed, you know, 10 hours. So number three, you know, even though I travel, I don't use a Kindle for my books. I have in the past, but, you know, I, I tend to carry a few books with me uh, just because... A, I have no need to read 15 books at a time, and you can't read that much on your travels anyway unless you're completely an unemployed nomad or you're not doing anything interesting while you're traveling, right? Um, and there's simply you know, no need on any given day or trip for me to have the iPod of books where I have you know, more books on hand than, than the Library of Alexandria at any given point in time. And thanks to Amazon Prime, any book I want is two days away uh, in terms of free shipping. It's, it's two days of free shipping away from arriving at my front door. So my travels are engaging enough. So at most, I might get through four to six books on vacation. And yeah, that's, uh, that's only like 10 days vacation. I'm that nerdy. But also, you know, I, refer, uh, you know, I prefer to reread, to study and refer and master books that I enjoy. I don't trust the Kindle system because I've had it in the past and it has accidentally lost and dumped 
my library and highlights before. Now, that was a huge loss of, of insight and, and hard work on my part. And further, you know, many people don't know this, but on the Kindle, you really don't legally own a copy of the book that's on that device, nor do you own the highlights you're making. So while I do use the Kindle app from time to time, um, when I'm just too eager uh, to wait for the book to arrive, I still love physical books. I love that I can protect the insights that I see and find in a book, and I don't assume that other people will see what I see. I've tested this, and I, I, I find that, you know, the highlights that you see or one of the, the, the values of the Kindle is like, oh, you can read um, other people's highlights. You can see what, they, they're, uh, what most people are highlighting. But the shared highlights that Kindle provides, usually they're quotes that stick out like sore thumbs. So you're not really getting added value there. And to me, this is proof that the wisdom of the crowds in aggregate, you know, this aggregate information is just isn't necessarily insightful. I'm not interested in Forrest Gump's highlights. What appeals to him might, you know, also appeals to his strengths and mindset and probably can't be leveraged by my weird mindset. So trust yourself, have some damn confidence and, you know, don't rely on the aggregate masses to reveal all of the secrets and the insights. Use discernment. Filter things through yourself. Okay, so that's books. And I know, again, I just entered book nerd, bookworminess of bookerdom. So hopefully some nerds out there appreciate that. But let's move on to kind of other forms of gear that uh, I think appeal to even more people. Okay, I travel quite a bit and I don't want to carry a ton of superfluous gear. So I try to focus on, on buying great gear with a smaller footprint to make it easier for me to travel. Now that said, my epic tip that will help you get where you need to go is to buy shareable gear, meaning gear with extra ports. So if you run into a guy or gal at the airport who's already using the plug, um, if you were to plug in your charger or doodad or whatever it is, they can still have their stuff plugged in too. This will ensure that you uh, find what you need no matter where you go and always have access to juice. Now, everybody carries a mobile office with them, and I'm no exception. I tend to carry more gear than I can fit in a briefcase, so I stopped carrying a briefcase. And instead, I upgraded to a fancy backpack. You know, this is a uh, Tumi Alpha Bravo Kingsvale backpack, which is just another way of saying fancy backpack. It's top-notch, it looks elegant and professional, and was carefully designed down to the stitching and zipper for the pro on the go. It's got a refrigerated pocket, or so I'm told. Apparently it can serve martinis, or at least that's what the sales guy told me. I've yet to see it. But uh, the reality is, it does come down to image and capability for me. And in truth, I paid way too much for this thing, and there have since been new lines with new features uh, from the company, and I'm not too fond of wasting money. But to make up for it with my frugal side, uh, when it came to wrangling cords and cables, I've tried all sorts of expensive systems. And I, and I have to give you this tip that sometimes there's nothing better than those soft zip up pencil organizers you'd find at Walmart for a dollar. I've bought the hipster all leather organizer from Hyden Park and that cost me like 42 bucks. But um, honestly, it's nowhere near as, as helpful, useful, lean and mean, and, and pragmatic as the $1 um, pencil case that I used before that had a clear plastic window so I could see if I've got all the gear that I need or not. 
Um, sometimes, you know, those dollar hacks are just the way to go, uh, especially if it's designed to hold something cheap. You're usually getting the same product uh, just at a lower price point. Now, if the same product was labeled super fancy cord uh, wrangler, it would probably be marked up 15x, right? Anyway, so that's my tip there. So uh, when it comes to no notebooks, I love blank moleskin notebooks. Last year, I believe I lost one. It was full of notes. It was a horrible tragedy. Um, it had a reward posted in there if anybody found it, but it never got recovered. So I switched it up and got the LiveScribe Moleskin Edition. Um, and uh, if you're not familiar with the LiveScribe, it's basically a pen that records the pen strokes and stores them digitally via your phone. Now, it also does a crappy job of recording audio, uh, and I'm not too impressed with that aspect, but it's a great way to digitize and back up your written notes. And so I use that all the time. Now, uh, when it comes to a USB charger, I mentioned this tip before, and here it is in action. I carry a USB charger with four ports for any plug. So this way, when I travel, um, whether I run into a stranger who's hogging the uh, plugs or I'm traveling with my wife, I've got at least uh, two ports for me and two ports for them. And so we're happy campers. I also use another anchor uh, charger with four ports on it in the car to keep everybody happy. And I even have one in the back seat for passengers. Now, I also uh, carry a small extension cord. This is a little less known hack. There's a Blue Lounge Portico six foot extension cord that has two 100 volt plugs and two USB plugs on it. This gives you a little bit of an extended reach if uh, you want to sit at a table with a backrest or you want to get to the couch, but the plug's far away. So this ensures that I can get more power and also give power to somebody else uh, when I'm on the go. And kind of lastly, I carry an Astro E4 power pack, which is a USB battery. The E5 is out now with 16,000 milliamps of power, but uh, sometimes I'm not near an outlet and I need some juice. And uh, this comes in handy and it makes a conversation piece and it's easy to use. And you can just whip it out and hand it to somebody else whose phone is dead or dying. Or if you're on an important call, it can save your bacon. So across all of this technology and all of these decisions, large and seemingly small, the implications uh, are huge. Uh, if, you know, the power goes out or you lose power while you're working on something important, you know, your data could go bye bye in a hurry at the core of, you know, our method or, or discernment, you know, we created a framework that allows us to determine what's important, what serves us and our clients and what hinders everyone else and what creates drag. And just in our personal lives, in my life, I'm looking for those little things that are creating drag and the things that really enable and empower uh, me, right? So I'm all about analyzing the trade-offs and really filtering down based on certain criteria and results that I know um, are better for me in terms of, of decisions, right? This is all discernment in action. Discernment literally means to separate, to discriminate, to determine, to decide, or to distinguish between things. Discernment allows you to weigh the trade-offs and know net-net what is good, what supports growth and advancement for you and your organization, and it's really your ability to determine what serves you and what does not in all areas of your practice. And it's not just a value to, to help you um, get critical and uh, about deciding which gear and tech to use. It's also an essential leadership practice. Discernment is essential to effective decision making. It comes from clear thinking, clear planning, and focused understanding. Whether you're trying to lead a heroic life or manage others or trying to help clients and customers problem solve, you need to pay attention 
to drive the results you want, not just in the near term, but in the long term as well. Effective decisions are a byproduct of knowing what is important and what is not. The discerning leader defines the vision, the future path, the steps involved in reaching that desired destination, and it's really important to carve that path of what to do as well as make that path of what not to do. Discernment is a thought process based on circumstances, options, meaning, implications, and motivations. A discerning leader, a heroic leader, is managing more variables than just the project that a traditional leader would. They're managing the expectations, the trust, the energy, and momentum of those under their care. And all of those elements, not just in the short term, but again, uh, in the long term. As you can probably tell, discernment requires and involves more work and is embodied by those willing to put it in to build high quality results. Thus, the discerning mind is a more disciplined mind and makes for a more effective leader. Here are four discerning leadership tips. Number one, insist on high standards. Integrity is defined as consistency in word and deed. Aligning values to practices is the linchpin of the top performers, and it's hard work. But it is the necessary work to earn and keep trust that maximize high performance. Trust is lost when you cave on your values and principles to save your neck. If you're willing to compromise your values to save your skin, you're probably willing to sacrifice others as well. And for this seed of doubt alone, your team's performance will be hindered from what it could be when trust isn't at 100%. Number two, bring your own bravery. Heroic leaders have a backbone. They don't merely fold and complain when someone disagrees or give in to trends. They stand by their thoughts and beliefs until they are convinced otherwise by the other side. Number three, Knowing vice from virtue and leveraging it effectively as an individual or organization is another exercise of discernment. You need to be unapologetically authentic, comfortably uncomfortable knowing who you are, where you are, with what you've got. As a person, as a leader, you must be aware of the strengths, weaknesses, and areas that you're blind to as a person, as a team, and an organization. If you give in to the judgments of others without reflection, you will confuse confidence with arrogance, speed with haste, healthy ego with narcissism, assertiveness with abrasiveness, and the list goes on. The person is smart. The people, the mass of people, the aggregate often behaves like scared crabs in a bucket. They don't want to believe that you can escape because they're too afraid to try. So every time they see a leader, a rogue, a renegade, or a maverick, they act like an angry mob of haters trying to pull you back down. You must discern between objective advice, real advice, and the underhanded, pretentious, and jealous distraction, uh, the bad feedback that comes your way as well. Number four, saying what others want you to say may win you their favor for a day, but people don't follow the flavor of the month leader. They look for and pay attention to people of high integrity and virtuous character that isn't easily corrupted or swayed by the trends. Heroic leaders are challengers, those who refine, convince, inspire, and invite their team to step up their game for epic glory in a shared vision. 
The measure of a heroic leader is not his or her ability to convince people who already agree with them. Those of you who believe it's correct to fold in the face of a mob lack the integrity to lead. Leadership is about being intelligent enough to take on greater ownership and accountability for outcomes and being responsible for the care of those you may lead. Many accept the title of leaders, but do not practice leadership, nor do they measure up to heroic standards. A good example of this kind of failure is the idea or concept of political correctness. Political correctness is, um, it has little business in the big leagues. It's a PR stunt, right? It's about being all inclusive, all caring to all people and all appealing to all people at all times. It isn't realistic. It's not sincere. It also uh, creates uh, common plays that, that the general public are immune to, like the classic, you see a, a company screw up and then they fire an intern to cover up their screw up, right? They give a sacrificial lamb to appease the public, but it's really a low-level employee who's not responsible for what, what happened. Heroic leaders don't rely on the common PR moves of mediocre organizations. They don't water down their brand to do that. They look for a path of discernment, a middle way where they can stay aligned to the beliefs and values and principles of the organization and true to themselves and stand up for the right people in the right ways at the right time. Now, these are all the qualities of discernment and leadership. But leadership, however, is often limited by the lens of decision-making provided by the culture itself. The culture provides the values, the beliefs, and operating principles of the organization that the team, the board, the leaders use as a lens to inform and guide decisions. So what can you do in terms of culture as an entrepreneur, as a manager, or just one person uh, in, in a greater world? Well, the reality is culturally, right? You can set and define values and valued behaviors for yourself, for your family, for your, for your core group, for your team, for your department, all that help you achieve higher levels of performance. You could even build a culture of one. So don't ignore these cultural steps as well. Using this lens should result in focus on the most important aspects of the work and be reflective of the core values of the organization. And when it comes to culture, some values are more important than others. If your values aren't helping guide to better behavior or more effective decision making, you're missing the point of the exercise. Discernment itself, promoting critical thinking alone, can improve the decisions and results of any organization. And here are four discerning tips for building a better culture. Number one, listen to diverse and divergent opinions. Be a constant student of your environment, industry, community, customers, and genuine interests. This means paying close attention, being aware, and being present, right? Determine the specific priorities for your business and start focusing on that. Number two, Allow everyone in the organization to take on that designer mindset. Give them a part in at least in dreaming up solutions. Design thinking scales to businesses of all sizes. Designing to enhance the efficiency, the flexibility and responsiveness and the solutions itself, even if it's only in your workflow. This is the mindset of a designer, a problem solver and a refiner. 
If your team is empowered and encouraged with the autonomy to solve their own problems and sort out their own hiccups, you can see amazing results. Number three, reward those who can eliminate waste and identify the key value-adding activities. Those who are willing to cut out the wasteful busy work and point it out to make room for more meaningful work. Give your team the ability to just say no to mental masturbation of work for work's sake. And finally, number four, emphasize and edify people who demonstrate the ability to add value to your life and work. Be picky about figuring out who these people are. Celebrate them. Now, to kind of wrap things up as we've explored all of the uh, technology, leadership, and cultural elements of and applications of discernment, uh, discernment isn't, as a value, it doesn't align with this idea of more time in and more effort in equals or guarantees better results or better outputs. This would be like saying if you just blindly attack with great energy, you'll be rewarded equally greatly. The real world doesn't work this way. Hard work doesn't guarantee great results. You have a limited supply of tea, time, energy, and attention. And where you pour your tea, you, need, you want to pour it where it's going to have the biggest impact. And not all tasks are created equally. Now, to all of you who celebrate working 20 hours a day, guess what? You're never going to stop. You're never going to allow yourself to stop. There will never be an end to that grind, no matter what fairy tale you're telling yourself. All because you have shitty boundaries and believe in the fairy tale of hard work now and more time now means you'll be able to relax later. There's no guarantee on that. You can't believe in that guarantee. You're buying into the fairy tale of hard work now will pay off later so that you can mismanage your time now and not be as efficient at, at uh, personal management, right? You're setting yourself up for burnout and big failure, so be careful with that. Other people are more focused on, on the marathon and less on the sprint. If you randomly pour your efforts everywhere, you just make a mess and get little done. If you find uh, the glass of a worthy cause, you can fill it with your tea, your time, energy, and attention, and achieve great results. Discernment is really about the ability to identify those key activities, the linchpins, the great opportunities, so you can focus your effort on those vital, life-changing few and make those happen. People seem to develop culture without comparing or even knowing their core business, mission, or vision, let alone values. Right? The lack of discipline in culture and leadership building and failure to align these elements to the, the actual business model is symptomatic of a systemic lack of integrity in business. Organizations that practice the lipstick on a pig version of culture uh, they tend to find culture building a waste of time, but they don't acknowledge or recognize that their own attempts to fake it were insincere to begin with and are giving them uh, crappy results. Since they couldn't be aligned or mapped out to valued behaviors, only the aspirations of the lipstick idea, the, the PR idea, the politically correct idea. Now, you know, discernment isn't nice and fluffy. It's an invitation to get real to be honest with yourself, your current position and situation, and know exactly what you need to do to improve it. Discernment is an invitation to get you to realize that the true costs of faking it, of half-assing it, of giving into a bucket of crabs and not being true to yourself are really high. But if you bring your own bravery, if you step up your game, if you get heroic and decide to be unapologetically 
authentic as an individual, as a team, as an organization, and a brand, the results of your efforts with technology, leadership, and culture will vastly improve. Discernment is but one of the tools that we use, that you can use, that help you navigate the road to get mission ready for life. This has been a long one. I want to hear from you. What do you like? What do you hate? Whatever. Send me an email. Contact us over at getheroic.com. Let me know if this was too long for you. Let me know if you need more practical advice. Looking forward to your feedback. In the meantime, let's rock out.